0: Good morning, my name is Isaac. Today's Bible passage is from John chapter 10. Uh, All verses, up to 42, I think it is. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works of that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus.
1: It's it's now my pleasure to doesn't work very well. It's now my pleasure to welcome Darwin.
0: And uh, up here, before his sermon, so, Darwin, welcome, welcome to you and to
1: your family, your wife and children, who <laughs> must have gone down to the Sunday school.
0: Yeah,
1: thanks. Thank you very much for having me. Should I move this? Now Darwin, according to my Advanced Diploma in Interviewing Techniques, yes. I've, uh, I've composed a number of meaningful questions. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, you got my name right. That's, that's wonderful, Rex. And you even got the last name right, so that's fantastic. Um, so I am here with my wife, Deb, right in the middle there. Hello, everybody. Um, and my two kids, I've got and a seven-year-old in year two, and his name is Micah, and I've got a six-year-old in year one, and her name is Madeline. Uh, And Deb and I, we've been married for 19 years. Yeah, and now some of you are thinking, hold on, the math's not right here. How old did Darwin get married? He's probably thinking that. I'll I'll leave you in suspense.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm no good at math, so...
1: um I'll get someone else to, to an accountant to tell me how that works. Look, I'm going to leave you to give us a sermon. Thank you. Uh, thank you again for inviting me and welcoming me and particularly being so hospitable. I've been here for a week now. Uh, I've met many of you, I think, and I'm really glad you've reintroduced the name labels. Um, so thank you very much for doing that. And it's been a wonderful week getting to know people and hearing uh, people's stories. But before we begin, please do forgive me because I'm going to ask you a favor. Um, I understand that as part of the process of selecting a minister, you'd want to hear his sermon. I I get that. Uh, Evaluate him as a preacher. I I very much welcome that. Uh, You should choose a minister whose preaching you would be willing to sit under week in and week out for many years to come. But can I please ask this of you? Just for the next moment, just for the next moment today, can I please ask that you don't evaluate me? Please don't do that. Uh, On my church's website, I'll point that out to you. Is that right? There you go. Uh, You can go to my church's website and you will find there more than 300 of my sermons. You can listen to them all. Uh, listen to all of them, evaluate them, find the good ones, find the bad ones, find the, the, the average one, the mediocre one, um, and preferably consider together as, as a church family if you would have this kind of preacher. Please do that. If you want to listen to the worst, you can come and talk to me. I'll point those out, those out to you as well. But for now, as we are gathered together as God's people to worship him, as we are gathered to sit under the word of God, as the word is preached, please don't evaluate me. Uh, Please don't stand over it. Please just listen. Uh, Listen and ask God to speak to you through this very humble and just really mundane act of preaching. And that too is my prayer, that, that I'm not here to impress you, I'm not auditioning for something, but instead I'm praying that I will preach to you the very words of God. Could you do that? Let's pray. Our oh, gracious heavenly Father, we humbly come to you now, broken, weak vessels, jars of clay, uh, in whom your spirit dwells. We pray that you will speak to us, that you will encourage us, that you will build us up that you will help us to shift our gaze to the Lord Jesus, our hope, our Lord, our Savior, our greatest treasure. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. For a moment, imagine you're, uh, you're on a plane, you're headed to a wonderful holiday destination, and I know a couple of you are doing that tonight. And you've fallen asleep. But suddenly you're woken up and everyone on the plane is panicking. And you try to find out what's going on and when when you turn around, you you look around, you you can't figure out what it is. And then you realize as you turn to look towards the cockpit, the door was open and you realize what people were screaming. There was no one flying the plane. And then you realize that the plane begins to nosedive and you hear the flight computer from far away sounding a warning, pull up, pull up, pull up. I wonder if that's how you've been feeling for the last year or so, being a church together without a minister. No one's flying the plane, you're not sure what's going on, you feel lost, discouraged, fearful, stressed, you wonder if the church will survive uh, look, maybe I'm making it more dramatic than it actually is. Some of you could be sitting right there and thinking, "We don't have a minister." <laughs> uh, but as I chatted with many of you this week, I, I I felt a desire to encourage you, and I want to tell you that even, even really, even after a pretty traumatic season of church life, even in a time of uncertainty and even without a minister, that you're actually okay. You're okay, and there's a reason for that. Because you, we, we all do, we all have something better than a minister. We have a good shepherd in Jesus. Now, before we jump into the passage, uh, I want you to be aware of that I think this passage is set in the in context of another passage. What Jesus is saying in John chapter 10 um, is set in the context of what has been said by God in Ezekiel chapter 34. Um, so chapter 34 verse 11, for example, says, God himself promised that he will come and he will be his shepherd. This is a time where the leaders of Israel, the The supposed religious leaders, the prophets, the priests, rather than looking after the flock that is Israel, instead they abused them. And worst of all, rather than pointing them to the Lord God that they should worship the one true God who has saved them, they pointed them elsewhere. They abused their flock. They led them away from following God. In fact, Ezekiel 34 is actually a word of judgment to these so-called shepherds of Israel. But then there is this word of promise in verse 11, for this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and I look after them. In a time when they weren't being looked after, God gave this promise, I will do it myself. You guys are not doing it, and so I will step in and I will get it done. And then God says how he will do that. God will do it through his servant, David. David will be the shepherd. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant, David, and then he will tend them. He will, he will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken." So for 600 years, this was written 600 years before the birth of Jesus. The people of Israel have this expectation. They've been waiting for God to fulfill this promise that he would himself intervene, he will step into their lives and come and shepherd his people. For 600 years, they've been waiting for this David-like figure, the Messiah, to appear to shepherd the flock. I hope you feel the weight of expectation as we get to John chapter 10. And especially what we find in chapter 9, where again, the so-called shepherds of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel, the, the Pharisees who were supposed to look after God's people. And again, rather than caring for them, They abused their flock. There was a confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time. And you see in chapter nine, the abuse of power, they were so convinced that Jesus was not who he claimed to be. They were so convinced that Jesus was the bad guy that they would kick an innocent blind man off the street just because he was healed by Jesus. And so Jesus called them out and he didn't pull any punches. In chapter nine, verse 41, Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And that brings us to chapter 10. Jesus, our good shepherd. And here he's still speaking to the Pharisees. The scene continues. He's still talking to the Pharisees. And here's the first thing he tells us. He's the shepherd who gives life to his sheep. He's still speaking to the Pharisees here, and he starts comparing shepherds against robbers and thieves. If you got your Bibles open, I know I think you're used to having everything up on the screen, but if you got your Bibles open, John chapter ten is a pretty long passage. I'm not going to through. I'm not going to get through all of them, but it will be really good if you've got the Bible right in front of you. Verses one and two, he basically talks about these robbers and thieves, and, and what's the difference? Well, thieves and robbers, they don't use the gate. They climb the fence to get in. They don't belong there. Um, I came to Australia when I was 17 years old. Um, I, I was born and raised in Indonesia. English is my second language. I came as an overseas student learning to live in a country that is not my own, and I lived in Kingsford, because I studied at University of New South Wales, and I lived in two different apartments in Kingsford, and at both times, I got broken into two for two. That is how safe Kingsford is. I came home one day, tried opening the door, but it was stuck. Our sofa had been jammed behind the door. A thief had broken into my apartment. He didn't use the front door. He climbed two stories of balcony and jump through the window. He didn't belong there. He didn't go through the front door. He was a thief. See, the thieves and robbers in John 10, they do the same thing. They climb the fence. The shepherd, on the other hand, well, he uses the gate. He belongs there. This is his sheep pen. This is his sheep. The gatekeeper, the guy who looks after the gate, he knows the shepherd, he lets him in. Even his sheep recognizes him. And you know what? The shepherd knows his sheep intimately, personally. He knows them by name. He knows them one by one. Verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This is a shepherd that takes care of his sheep. you see that? He knows each and every one of them. He leads them, cares for them. There's this intimate relationship between him and his sheep. Now, at this stage, Jesus hasn't actually talked about himself as the shepherd but it's kind of obvious what he's getting into. And maybe here John the Baptist is the gatekeeper, but it doesn't really matter because the actual point is this. Remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees in the hearing of everyone else. The point is he's trying to tell the Pharisees, those who deny Jesus, those who will take people away from Jesus, he's trying to imply that you are the thieves and robbers. They use their religion and their tradition to actually turn people away from Jesus, the one who can actually give life. And that is deadly when you turn people away from the one thing that can save them. That is why in verse seven, uh, Jesus uses a different metaphor. I, d- I don't know why he mixes the metaphor. That could be an interesting discussion. We can talk about that later. But, He talks about himself now, but as the gate. Verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. You see the contrast between thieves and robbers? Jesus saves his sheep. He protects them, rescues them, gives them life. And verse 10, it says he came to give them life and life to the fall in contrast to the thief who come to steal and kill and destroy. They lie and cheat, they promise, they don't deliver, they exploit, they kill, they destroy lives. I read in the news one time, a couple was on their honeymoon, on their holiday, traveling, they took a taxi, got the most friendly taxi driver they've ever met, spoke really good English, joked with them, told them stories about the city. But before they know it, they were driving through what seemed like the dodgy part of town. And so the man asked, are we going to the hotel? Oh, yes, yes, don't worry, we'll be there, don't worry. And 10 minutes later, the taxi stopped at this warehouse in the middle of nowhere. A bunch of guys grabbed them, robbed them, and left them for dead. That's what thieves and robbers do. They make you feel safe. They promise you the world. They offer affirmation and acceptance. They, they tell you that you can be who you want to be. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. They make you feel really good about yourself. But it's all really temporary because they don't deliver. They steal And in the end, they will kill and destroy because they take you away from the one who can give you life. But Jesus is not like that. Do you know that you have a shepherd in Jesus? The one who gives you life. You see the contrast? The thieves and robbers makes you feel safe and then kills you. But Jesus will walk you, walk with you, even through the darkest of valleys, to take you to life. Even in the ups and downs of church life, I haven't spoken to all of you this week, but I know some of you are going through hard things. Maybe what's happening in the church for the last couple of years has been the last thing on your mind because your life is hard right now. Friends, I want you to know that you have Jesus who is the giver of life. Whatever you are going through, he is leading you to life. He's not bringing you to a warehouse in the middle of nowhere to rob and kill you. With Jesus as our shepherd, we know our lives are not headed to death and destruction. It is headed to life. Even in the darkest of valley, we fear no evil because we know our shepherd leads us to life. Brothers and sisters, do you know you have a shepherd like this? Not only that, he doesn't just give life. He is a shepherd who gave his life for his sheep. And here... It makes it really clear he is the good shepherd. We've seen that he saves and rescues, but he makes it super clear now. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life. I am the good shepherd, verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is how much he cares and loves his sheep. He would die for his sheep. He would give up his life for them because they are his sheep. He loves them. They belong to him. And there's another contrast here. He is not like, Jesus says in verse 12 and 13, he is not like a hired hand. If you're just a hired hand to take care of a bunch of sheep, you're not going to die for those sheep. If a wolf comes, you run. If it's between you or the sheep, the sheep gets it. But Jesus isn't like that. He loves his sheep because they belong to him. He would die for them. Uh, there was a, a group in Sweden who did this um, social experiment. They put a couple of actors A man and a woman pretending to be a couple, they put them in an elevator, in a lift, and they wait till someone comes in and rides the elevator with them, and then they start the experiment. The male actor would start to physically and verbally abuse his girlfriend. He'd pin her against the wall, whack her in the head, push her around, scream at her, you're useless, you know that, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to effing kill you. Uh, They wanted to see if anyone would intervene, if anyone would do something to stop this. They did this 53 times. Do you know how many times someone intervened? One time. A lady intervened and said, I'm gonna call the police if you keep doing that. If you touch her again, I will call the police. The other 52 did absolutely nothing. In fact, one person said, "Uh, excuse me, can I get off first before you continue on? It kind of shocks you, doesn't it? That we live in that kind of society. I mean, again, maybe this is Sweden. Maybe that's the, that's the country that a lot of people think is the happiest place on earth. We should be more like them. If you are in that lift and it was your daughter, you would do something, wouldn't you? Much like this, Jesus would do something because you belong to him. You are his. When the wolves come for the sheep, he would step in, he would lay down his life. He's not just going to go, can you hold on till I get off the lift? Brothers and sisters, do you know that you have a shepherd like this? When you think about what's happening in the last couple of years, whatever is happening in your life right now, remember Jesus is not a hired hand. He's not a stranger in an elevator. He would not just watch in apathy, rushing out as soon as he can. He is your shepherd and you belong to him. He bled for you on the cross. He let that nail pierce his hands for you. He cried in anguish, Father, why have you forsaken me? As God poured down his wrath that you deserve on Jesus. For you, he died. Do you know that you have a shepherd like this? Is another thing that you should know about Jesus. He is the shepherd who knows his sheep. And we've seen this again, doesn't it? D- haven't we? Uh, this is how John often um, writes his gospel. He goes round and round and round and round. But every time he comes around, you'll find something new. And he makes you go, oh, he said that before. And here he says it again. He tells us that he, this relationship we have between Jesus and us Jesus and his sheep is like the relationship between Jesus and the Father. And all throughout the Gospel of John, if you read through it, Jesus has spoken repeatedly how tied he was with the Father. And now he is saying, you know how I'm really close with my Father? He is in me and I am in him. Well, I'm like that with the sheep. Verses 14 to 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And again, verses 17 and 18, Jesus says again, he would die for them. Yes, the Father commanded him. Yes, this is the mission the Father has given him. This is why he had come on earth. But 17 to 18 makes it really clear he did it willingly the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. Do you see that? No one forced it on Jesus, but I lay it down on my accord. I have authority to lay down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, just take a moment and, and think about this. Just take moment and just reflect on it Jesus knows us so well he knows us so intimately he knows every thought that crossed your mind every feeling you have in your heart he knows what you are thinking about right now we can hide it from our friends we can create this perfect persona on social media we can fake a smile put on our Sunday best, but we can never hide from Jesus. At the beginning, I started with that whole spiel about, please don't evaluate me. I'm not here to impress you. I just want to preach God's word. But to be honest, there's a little bit in me, a little bit, that really wants to impress you. There's a little bit in me who wants to be liked by People. We all have mixed motives, don't we? We're really complex creatures. In our hearts, there's a mix of righteous and sinful desires. I I can try and hide it from you. But Jesus sees right through me. He sees all the sinful bits. And what does He do? He sees us as we are. He knows us so perfectly. He is so intimately close to us. And what does he do? He died for us. If you know what's in my heart, you will not call me as your minister. If you see all the sinful bits, you will not want me here. You will look at me with disgust. You will go... No, I don't think so. But Jesus died for me. Brothers and sisters, do you know you have a shepherd like this? One who loves you so deeply. In spite of you. Not because you are so great and wonderful. We try to give the best impression when we meet people. Jesus knows all the bits in you that you hide. And he chose to die for you willingly. Do you know you have a shepherd like this? Is my last point. Jesus, the shepherd, who protects his sheep. Now, everything that Jesus has said so far did not make sense to the Pharisees and to the Jews. Again, they can't make up their mind about Jesus. So they ask him again in verse 24. The Jews who were gathered around him. Now, this is a different scene. It's at a different time. The Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. But you see the irony? This is why John 10 has been put together this way. Because that's what Jesus has been doing. Sure, he didn't use the word Messiah, but it's clear as day. If they knew their Bible, if they had listened carefully If they had an open heart and an open mind, they would have been reminded of Ezekiel 34 when they heard the words of Jesus, I am the good shepherd. They would know that God would send his good shepherd and Jesus had claimed to be him. But of course, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Do you know why? Because they are not part of Jesus' sheep. They didn't get it because they are not his flock. If they were, they would recognize Jesus. They would know Jesus. They would follow him. They would have eternal life. Verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Can I just take a moment? and say, I, I don't know all of you. Some of you might not be a Christian today or not yet a Christian. You could be visiting today, and you are new. You are just like me. We can be friends later. If you do not know Jesus, if you hear his words today and you don't recognize him, can I just say, please keep coming back. Please keep listening to Jesus Keep hearing his voice until hopefully I pray that one day you will recognize him. It took me years of hearing Jesus again and again until one day I realize that he is God. Please keep keep coming, keep talking to whoever invited you today. I want to tell you something else. There's something incredible that Jesus said in verse 27 to 30, an incredible statement of God's unfailing love to us. In verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Again, repeat it. We've heard this three times already. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. And then Jesus says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who has given me them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Do you see what Jesus said there? Jesus' ship will never perish because Jesus protects them. Jesus holds on to them. No one will snatch them out of his hand, he said. And then he adds to that, God the Father, who is greater than all, he is holding on to them too. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. We've got two hands holding on to us, Jesus and God the Father together. No one will, no one will be able to No one can ever snatch us out of their hands. The Pharisees didn't get it. They didn't understand all this. They ended up wanting to kill him. But you get it, don't you, brothers and sisters? You know Jesus as your shepherd, don't you? That whatever happens you together as a church and you as individuals, that you are safe. Do you think COVID can snatch you out of their hands? Do you think a period of vacancy without a minister can ever snatch you out of their hands? And whatever else is going on in your life, do you think sickness or death or depression or anxiety can snatch you out of their hands? Or in the words of Romans, do you think trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword can ever snatch you out of their hands? Friends, do you know you have a shepherd like this? Let me take you back to that plane. Everyone's panicking. No one's in the cockpit. And then you see the the elders doing their best. They've never flown a plane before. They've rushed into the cockpit. Someone's holding the stick. Someone's trying to read the manual. And then someone's standing up. Can someone do the morning tea? (laughs) Today, I, I want you to look with the eyes of faith and just peer outside the window. And what you will see is a legion of angels flying all around you. And what you will see is two giant hands holding up the plane. And you know they are Jesus' hands because they are pierced. Your good shepherd had always been there. and he is leading you to life. He's not gonna run away at the first sign of danger. In fact, when he sees your sin and weakness, he still loves you because he already proved it by dying on the cross for you. Do you think he'll abandon you now, his precious sheep? If he gave you his life, won't he carry you through this season too? of course because nothing can snatch you out of his hands and the father's hands so brothers and sisters be strong don't fret jesus is your good shepherd keep pointing each other To Jesus. Keep telling each other, we have a good shepherd in Jesus. We have a good shepherd in Jesus. Keep doing the mission that He has given you because not having a minister doesn't stop you from doing that. Keep making ever deeper disciples of Jesus in ever increasing number. Keep banding together, keep walking with Jesus. because he walks with you. And I know it, because in the last week, I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I've seen it so many times. I hear all the stories, and I see how Jesus is with you. In the way you've rallied together and the way you've loved each other. Brothers and sisters, Praise the Lord, for we have a shepherd, a good shepherd in Jesus Christ. Amen. Please pray with me. Oh, Father God, we thank you that no matter what happens to us, you are with us. We don't need to fear. because we have Jesus. Help this church as a community, community together to keep reminding one another of that truth, to keep walking together with Jesus, led by the Spirit. Help them keep doing what they've been commanded to do, to make disciples for Christ. And we do pray that they will see your goodness as they do that. So that all praise and glory will be directed to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.